Success is a mentality, and so is failure. Each day, choose to have a successful mindset. What does that quote mean to you? With Ray Bullock Jr. from Elevated Mentor, he co-hosts with me to present to you the third installment of Mental Mountains, Volume 1, The Elevated Mind, an audio experience. We discuss what this quote means to us within the lens of officiating through Tales from the 13. Success is a mentality, and so is failure. Each day, choose to have a successful mindset. This quote resonates as we discuss not only the words through officiating, but also music, movies, and books. Be sure to look out for a new drop each week where we discuss another quote in the book. And now, the tales from the third team. Welcome to a third installment of Tales from the Third Team, my collaboration with Elevated Mentor, Ray Bullock Jr. How are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you? We were supposed to do this a couple minutes ago. You must have made some crazy coffee. Do you have like a contraption, like a Keurig thing that you... Oh, yeah, sure. What's that like? It's amazing, man. It's convenient to the point. You can do whatever you want. You want iced coffee? You want a tall cup, short cup? I got you. What do you got today? I went with a, uh, it's a, it's a short cup, <laughs> small cup. Yeah. That's been a trying week for the country. Is everything all right over there in Virginia? Yeah, things are, you know, knock on wood, but things are, are okay in uh, Virginia. I don't know what the rest of the country is doing. Yeah, it's getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. But, but you like, know, Virginia, the, the wonderful state of Virginia, we just, you know, we just different. Right. <laughs> yeah, New York is uh, completely uh, stabilized, but we just take it day by day over here because it was, we're the original crazy, so. Yeah. Uh, but back to our collaboration, Mental Mount- Mountains, Volume 1, The Elevated Mind. Uh, we went over two quotes. We're going to go over the third today. Uh, this is the one that I picked, and I probably forgot because there's, uh, too many things go through my mind. But the quote today is, success is a mentality, and so is failure. Each day, choose to have a successful mindset. So I think about that quote, and I try to tell people, um, I think people always try to find their happiness. Um they constantly try to battle with uh, being sad. And I think sometimes when people get sad and, and they think about failure, it really derails them to the point where it debilitates them from moving forward, where as opposed to, I, I truly think that um, if you kind of stay in the middle, then you don't have to get all of these uh, varying degrees of, of swaying all of these extremities of being feeling failure and success. Um, I learned that from, um, I guess, just reading books, Somebody fortified that. Somebody, uh, Coach Anwar from South Shore High School out here in Brooklyn, uh, he was talking about staying in the middle. Whereas if you're if you're not so high, then you you got to remember when you are successful, you got to remember the times when you weren't, and also those times that you failed, you got to remember those times when you were successful. And he always preaches to stay neutral. Um, that's one of the things that I thought about this quote. But I wanted to know what your inspiration was of this particular quote, and how did it come about. Just um the day to day grind of a season or just my career. Uh, you know, when you're if you're fortunate to be around a lot of people who um have seen success or are successful, then you will start to pick up things that they think, eat, etc. And on all levels, it doesn't matter the industry, the people that I know that are successful, their attitude is positive. 
right? They're always finding reasons to go after something, even if it's a mistake. It's kind of like they're excited to be exposed to something new to learn. And I decided, you know, I need to embrace that mentality. I need to take ownership of my success. And it's all mental. Everything starts in the mind. So just, you know, having a bad game, right? Let me ask you this, Rob. Have you ever had a game in front of uh, one of your assigners or coordinators? Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a bad game? Man, I'll, I'll do you one better. One time I had a, a PSAL game in the city. I didn't even know my assigner was sitting there. It was like one of these terrible <laughs> games. And I turned around and I just was, um, I turned into a ghost because <laughs> <laughs> she starts waving at me. And I'm like, why are you here right now? Why they got to be today? And I was thinking, you know, I'm normally and. Yeah, I went through the whole mentality of I never do this. Um, I'm only doing this because it was a bad game. My partner was off. And I felt bad for myself because it, it's true. I, I never do this, but I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. So what was what was my habit in that situation? I, I took the, uh, the foot off the gas pedal in that particular situation, uh, but I turned it around. <laughs> she came into the locker room at halftime, and she said um, – the the tail of two quarters and I, I said what, mm. what what does that mean and she said well I mean second quarter you you noticed that I was there and then you started refing the way you <laughs> ref and then you know first quarter you didn't even know I was there and I don't know what you were doing you were looking at the stands and and you still didn't see me so um, yes to answer your question yes and for the most part um, and I think that this is something that officials can always relate to uh, maybe not in the beginning in the beginning I think you're so petrified. Because when you start from a certain place and you start, and especially like somebody like you and I who constantly wants to grow, we put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations of reffing with people that have a lot of stature in the game that are really good, right? Um, but then as, I, I guess as you go further, you start identifying yourself with those, with that same type of elk. And what happens is when you try to mirror all of that, then you start, you start worrying about it so much. You don't worry about right. how, who this person is, who that person is, and then and then you just define it within yourself. But that's something that, you know, down the road. How about you? Have you ever? I'm pretty sure you have. Um, oh, for sure. Talk about one of those yeah. situations. Um, I've never like completely bombed an entire game, but every referee has stretches, rough stretches. I've I've had a game where, uh, like, you know, the coordinator, you have no ideas there, like you said. And you think for whatever reason, let's say you miss something small, right? And now you can allow that to creep into your mind. Now you're like, oh, they're going to fire me. I'm not going to get any games. They're going to take my game from me. And then you can just keep pounding on yourself mentally and find yourself in a hole so deep. And the whole game is going on. And then after the game, the sign is like, good job. And you're like, what? <laughs> good job. I missed that shot clock violation. It was a tribal in front of me I missed. And they're like, you did a good job. Like, relax. So that right there, you know, we always say you can never be too high, you can never be too low. And a lot of people, I think, um, and, and you can give me your viewpoint on this, they see somebody successful, right? You'll see somebody driving to Bentley or you'll see somebody with whatever you think success is. You'll see that person. And we try to copy what that person looks like, talks like, walks like. But are we really 
trying to understand the mind and, and copying the, the mentality. And that's the biggest thing that I believe is success, right? I think wealth and success is, is mental. It's all mental. It's all what you make it. Life is all what you make it. So you can make a mistake and beat yourself up and, and let an entire game go by you, or you can snap out of it, right? And have to tell the two quarters, like you said. But it's all the mentality. It's all the decision. It's all the choice. That reminds me of my volleyball team. Um, I don't know why I keep talking about them. I guess I'm so proud of <laughs> being that's good, man. Being that coach. So I always have a bevy of juniors that are coming in, and they play JV. And um, I don't really talk to the JV program, even though our program is super interconnected. I only get to the point where I know their names. But what normally happens is the seniors what they do is they learn from our program and some of them, they had the fortunate circumstance to be moving up from sophomore year. So then, then we stay with them a little longer, but those juniors, sometimes they're deers in the headlights um, and they don't know what it is to be successful. What they do right. is they mirror what the seniors before them do. And we call it a grafting system because once they're in the presence of, of their daily habits, their success, the, the way they carry themselves uh, before the matches, before practices, during practices, um, then they start believing in themselves. And um, I can think about, you know, one particular girl who, um, shout out to Alyssa Bowl, who is probably the greatest athlete I've ever coached. She's currently now a Division One lacrosse player at uh, LIU Brooklyn. Uh, she, first of all, we're talking about lacrosse and I'm talking about volleyball. She won a state <laughs> championship in volleyball. She won a state championship in basketball and she got a, she, she was supposed to get a Division II um, scholarship for lacrosse, but then LIU Post out here in Long Island, they ended up ceasing to exist combined with LIU Brooklyn. She tried out for the Division I team, and I'm not surprised that she made it, but that's not really what I was trying to get at. When she was a junior, she was not really taking things serious, and then something, I guess, really hit her in her mind that she wanted to be really good at this. And I remember we had a conversation about – you know, what do I need to do to get on the court? And I kind of gave it a stats. I'm like, first of all, um, you're goofing around. That's one. Two, I know I goof around, but I'm not playing. So that doesn't matter to me. Um, and you have to have better habits. And if you, you really want this, then I can, you know, you have to start doing this. You have to start doing that. And, and she took all of those things to heart and she started following her seniors. And then her senior year, she won her own championship and um, she became the all-time leader in digs which is like you know when the volleyball when somebody spikes the volleyball and mm -hmm. the first person that bumps the ball she has the all-time yep. record in my school so for somebody that first of all it's her third best sport it's something that she didn't take seriously midway into her junior year and for her to be like the leading dig leader of of my school I mean that just really goes to show how much the mindset if if you just change it and you're around those types of people that you know, you you feel it's kind of like when I when I say grafting, I really think of it as um, you don't know what the success is. So let me latch on and as as you would say, copy other people that are successful, and then eventually that burgeons to something that you feel confident enough to make your own style, right? Um, right. And I, I think that's so so appropriate in in officiating, where you know all you got to do is just really watch, as you would say, watch the greats, figure watch out figure out what they're doing, and then. For some reason, it sublimates to you, and then all of a sudden, you really make your own style because you're a successful official. Um, can Absolutely. you think? Can you think of something outside of officiating where you've applied this particular principle? 
of watching, emulating, and then figuring it out on my own. Yeah. Uh, being a dad, um, that's one of the things where, when you, for in my opinion, when you, when you don't have a kid prior to, you think, oh, like you really don't see babies as human beings. You really don't think that, you know, I have a nephew. It can't be that hard. It's like, all right, wait until you have your own. <laughs> but for me, um, just watching, you know, my dad was a great example, but there are other men in basketball who are great fathers. And they travel a lot, but you see them going, not going all the way, but making time to uh, FaceTime, call, check in, um, in the locker room, watching their kids' games, and, you know, doing whatever they have to to stay involved and let the kid know that I'm still working, yes, but I'm still here whenever you need me. Um, so for me, that it, it, it's, I'm fortunate to, have a lot of people that are good examples. So for me, being a dad is just like, you know, it's some it's certain things from my childhood that I love that I'm definitely doing, but there are other things. I'm the oldest, so I was a, the trial and error baby. So it's other things where I'm like, nah, I'm good on that. <laughs> I'm going to do it my, a different way. So that would be uh, something that I'm definitely using. And then also, um, elevated mentor. Um, when you're when I, when I'm getting into something like this, where I want to help a lot of people, uh, educate a lot of people on this industry, and you know, really try to help as many people as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning on uh, my mentors and and those that have helped um, more people than I have. You know, because it's something that you can take from everybody. Um, and like you said, make it your own. And to go back to a refereeing, it's something that I've, I was taught at a young age. If you really want to be good at this, you need to find yourself three officials, right, that are similar to your stature and style. And you just watch them. You just study them. You just watch them. And then you make it your own. It's no different than rap. Um, your favorite rapper is Jay-Z. So imagine him without Jazzo. Like he had to, uh, you know, <laughs> get the blueprint. See how how the game is, find its flow. Then he was like, "All right, I got, I have a good base foundation. Now I can tweak this, change that, change this, and then add all of this. Now look at me. So it's the same thing." Mm. Jazzo, I haven't heard that name in a long time. What happened, Jazzo? Shout out, shout out to Jazzo. You got to shout him out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Jay Z said, "Make another hove." Right? He said that like many years ago too. Yeah. Yeah, he did say that. And I truly believe that, too. Um, I think about that creatively. Um, I know we've talked on the creative tip for uh, a couple of months now. Um, I really have no fear of any of my ideas because I always have 100 new ideas. And, mm. you know, you were talking about my process, and I don't. I still don't know what my process is. I kind of just wake up and just make things. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, there is a quote before I forget. I'd say about... 12, 13 years ago, really inspired me. It's by Abraham Lincoln. And I think this is when I started getting not as religious, but more spiritual about myself. And of course, I've went to Catholic school all my life up until uh, college. And then I met people from different faiths and realized that they can coexist with us. Uh, But this Abraham Lincoln quote in particular reminds me of the quote that you had. And that quote is, when I do good, I feel good. 
when I do bad, I feel bad. That is my religion. And I know it's not necessarily success and failure, but it's also how fragile the human mind can be. Whereas if you feel bad, you can feel bad. And that can really derail you. And Mm -hmm. I think it's always a constant fight of those failing feelings, those bad feelings. And how do you center yourself back to feeling successful? It's like you kind of have to fake it, right? Not necessarily fake it, but just constantly be, be aware that these things happen. But also at the same time, and we talked about this before, there wouldn't be any good if you didn't know what bad was. You wouldn't know what success was if there wasn't any failure. So to me, if you can feel that, but feel it mildly, don't feel it with the extremity of failure or badness, then I yeah. think you're more successful. Um, is there any quote that you think of when you think about your quote? Um, I hate that I always put you on the spot. I can't think of a quote that necessarily, um, I just remember for me, so my dad, my quick story about my dad, he's um, from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, he's known, like, so when I go back home, everybody talks about how good in basketball he was. So his mentor is a guy by the name of John Lucas. Do you know who that is? Uh, John Lucas. So John, uh, John Luke. High percentage free throw player, shooter? Used to Rockets? Tennis. Is that guy? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I know John Lucas. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he told me this story. <laughs> Lucas would always come home. So he was an All-American in two sports, tennis and basketball. He went to Maryland. So he um, would come home and, you know, play ball with my dad and them. So one day, Lucas is out there. They're playing two-on-two. He's taking it easy. And I think my dad has, like, game point. Let's say that's, I'm, I'm going to say they're going to, going to nine. And they got eight points, and Lucas might have like two. And my and uh, my dad did something to make it game point, did like a move, and told him, "Welcome to the NBA!" Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Lucas is like, "Oh!" So my dad loses that game. They don't get the ball back. So fast forward, I'm now um, in middle high middle school, high, ninth grade, eighth grade, whatever. We're playing one on one, and I'm having a good day. I'm giving him the business. You know, this is this is for that time you put me on punishment. Ah, this is for so we're going at it. Then I watch him take a take a a mental switch and just turn it over. I'm like, dang. Then I never forget. He told me he was like, Ray, you you have to understand, life is literally all you make it. He's like, I spent a lot of my younger years mad at the world, blaming the world for something that I did, but it's okay. Like you, like you were just saying, it's okay to understand that you're not in a good situation, but you cannot allow that moment or that situation to absorb you. And he compared it to being in an ice, uh, ice bath. Like, I don't know if anybody listening has ever taken an ice bath or has ever put their foot or had an injury where they had the ice. But if you spend the most of the time thinking about how cold it is, it's only going to make it work. But if you take that that approach and you just put your, put your mind on something else before you know it, your body's numb. You're not even feeling it anymore. It's not that bad. So that was a long way of me telling you that no matter if you're winning by nine, if you're hurt and, and um, taking an ice bath, if you're having a bad game, if your project at work isn't working out, 
that's all fine. And that's going to continuously happen. But what you can't allow to consistently happen is your mental approach to stay in that negative state of mind. You have to understand that this is momentarily I'm going to fix this. I'm going to figure it out. Same with playing basketball. I miss eight. I'm going to make the ninth one. If I miss the ninth one, I'm going to make the tenth one. Eventually, this ball is going to go through that basket, and I'm not going to stop until it does. Same with officiating. I might have missed that block charge, or I might have missed that D3, or whatever level you're at, you might be going through a stretch of um, bad decisions or a lack of making decisions. But you have to understand that that was momentarily, and I'm going to get the next one right. So the ultimate belief in self is something that I lean on every day. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I never get down on myself. But I never stay down on myself. And that's really what this quote means to me. You know, you have to win each day by choosing to compete with all your hurdles in your path. Right. So make that choice to compete. You're going to have roadblocks. You're going to have hurdles. Before this, you were testing out new equipment. You could have been like, ah, forget it. I'm going to take it back. You're like, no, I'm going to take my time and figure this out. <laughs> not the end of the world. So I just think that it's, it's not something that, uh, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know, this isn't like new information, but I feel like a lot of us neglect or we don't want to take ownership necessarily of how much power and control we actually do have when we talk about success. Mm. One thing I wanted to mention is this book came out about 11 years ago. It's called The 50th Law. Have you ever heard of this book? I have. It's a great book. I've read it like four times. I read it maybe every four years. Uh, but... For those that don't know, have never read that book. It's by 50 Cent, believe it or not, and Robert Greene. And <laughs> it talks a lot about this particular quote of success and failure. And it's really predicated towards having no fear in everything you do. And I think that also kind of intertwines with when you vacillate between being very successful and, be, and having a lot of failures. Because that mentality of having no fear. Because you know, sometimes... Failure really eats people. Some mm-hmm. people, some people can't get up, and yep. and that's not necessarily their fault, and that's not necessarily a mentality that they want. However, that mentality ends up manifesting into something much more grave, and they can't get off that. So, um, I think it's a great book for anyone to take a look. This is what that book reminds me of. The, this particular quote, um, and I, the reason why I think it it reminds me is because when you go through the book. It goes through 50 Cent's early life, and you can see how successful he was trying to get, even though there was failure all around him, including himself. So, you know, success is a mentality, and so is failure. Each day, choose to have a successful mindset. I think when you go through that book, you can see that 50 Cent, even though there, there was all this negativity in his life, even though there was all of this abject failure and craziness going around in his life, he chose to continue to be successful. And no matter how long it took, he figured out a way to get out of his situation, and be successful. And the thing that never changed in his mind is that he wanted to be successful. He wanted it so right. bad that, I don't know, he messed around and, and bought vitamin water and did other all these other things and stopped <laughs> being focused on rapping, which I'm still kind of disappointed about. But at the same time, you know, his mentality changed. Feel, Go ahead. Absolutely. And I feel like with, with him, um, you know, that that first taste of success, like you said, you wake up every day and you just, create oh man i just i'm gonna make socks today or whatever but that you you've experienced you've taste success so now it's like what else can i be successful at it's kind of like 
I'm sure in volleyball you've watched the player that was afraid to bump the ball because they were going to hurt themselves to spiking. And it's that that process of watching them have small success every day to the point where they believe that they can do anything on that floor. Mm. It, but, you know, we have to start with small steps. And the first step is just believing in, in yourself, right? It's We're not, t- all the listeners, we're not telling you that you're going to be successful at everything you do. But what we are telling you is just choose to compete, right? We, as officials, we are athletes. Every day, just choose to compete. You're going to have hurdles. It doesn't matter if you take the negative path or the positive path. You're going to run into hurdles. You have to make a conscious decision to compete and use that hurdle as a stepladder. Because that's all it is. It's, it's, it's placed in front of you to expose you to something you need to work on. And once you figure it out, that excitement, that success, that excitement of accomplishment, it could be something so small. Oh, my God. I run down the court and I look at the shot clock every time now. Hey, man, I applaud you. Now that you're aware that the clock is up there, let's work on something else. <laughs> mm. You know, it's, I feel like, you know, we're, we're at a weird period in the world where I don't think a lot of people are choosing to compete and choosing to walk that positive path. And I understand, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap, man, the negative trap. It's very, 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 very easy. Um, but it's much more rewarding to stay on the positive path. So that's what I'm going to keep pushing. It's, it's way more fun on this side, the positive side. Well, here's another dynamic that we find in the officiating game. Sometimes you'll meet somebody that is super successful but is still upset about things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they use that failure to drive them to be better and maybe internally they feel successful. Um, I kind of put myself in that situation where I'm just like, man, I could have done better. I could have done better, but it never makes me prevent me prevents me from moving forward. Um, right. One thing that I, I, I really think about, and I haven't heard this song in a very long time. Um, I don't know if you remember that Eminem song. I'm back. When he, uh, yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. When he says, uh, what do I think of success? It sucks too much stress. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel him. I, I feel him in, in certain regards because um, I think when you first start officiating, you do it, well, maybe not for you because you had family members that were in it. But I know for me, I was talking about this on a Zoom call the other uh, last night. I had no mentors for like three years. I was just from Long Island trying to get side money. I didn't know that if you go to New York City, all of these people take it serious. And I was like, I was confused. I was like, how come I didn't know this before? It was like, a, it was like an open secret that uh, I, I never knew. And, you know, when I started meeting those people, some people I would have, they'd have scowls while they were refing. They seemed like they were upset <laughs> dispensing information to me. And I, I'm just mm-hmm. out there like, I can't believe that this is like, this exists. This this whole ecosystem of people like really wanting to um, get good at this. Um, and that to me was a jarring experience. And then, you know, just refing now when I have a bit of success, you know, because you always run into these new problems that you were just unexpected. And, of course, just running referee ramp every day. You know, I don't necessarily have a boss, um, and I'm the one that's driving all of the art. So sometimes I'm just like, I'm. sometimes I have a concept in my mind, doesn't go well, people really like it, I don't know why. And maybe I do know why. Maybe I'm just being hard on myself. But do you find yourself, I guess, subconsciously pushing yourself back in order for you to motivate yourself to, to move forward? Because I also think that sometimes when you do feel that little bit of, negativity it moves me to 
Like, I feel like I take one step back negatively to go 10 steps forward positively, if that makes any sense. No, I understand. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And when I officiate, I'm, I'm competitive. I hold myself to a standard that's unrealistic. Mm. So I uh, definitely understand the feeling of walking off the court and thinking you didn't do a good job beating yourself up um and then you watch the tape and you're like what was i tripping over or the your crew is like oh you had a great game or your supervisor tells you good job and you're like good job <laughs> so definitely understand that feeling and i think for me that what that feeling probably comes from not wanting to get too comfortable and trying to find a reason to improve you know like there are some players, there are some referees, there are just some people, period. They can complete an assignment or they can accomplish a small goal and then they put their feet up. And then you have the other ones that are constantly, there's somebody coming from a spot. I'm not that either. I'm somewhere in the middle of trying to be the perfect official, have the perfect game. It's never going to happen. Mm. And, and I've understood that. So I've changed that unrealistic expectation and going into the game, I might give myself a goal to accomplish. Mm. So earlier I said, you know, there's some new referees that are just experiencing the shot clock. So it's an accomplishment alone for them to, every time they transition, let's say in lead, they just take a peek at the clock or every time they're in center and we're about to transition, they take a peek at the clock. That's a success for them because a lot of people don't do that. So for me, I don't, um, beat myself up anymore because it, it doesn't it doesn't motivate me how I wish it would like you. Um, although it, it's interesting hearing you say that because when I played, I was I had to be the underdog. I had to be the I, I love being booed and I honestly kind of still like it when I referee. <laughs> <laughs> I like getting booed. Too. You could definitely you could definitely find that in any New York City gym, no matter what it oh, is. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just cut different. It's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, did you ever watch wrestling? Like when The Rock was wrestling? Of course. And the fans would be booing him, and he's like smelling it and bringing it up. That's how I feel <laughs> when I get. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that way. Um, success is. So what's a man- a, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's an artist that you think consistently conveys his message? It doesn't necessarily have to be one song, but what's an artist that you think that you can lean on? to be your uh mental workout okay um this is going to get completely weird um i'm going to go to a new york times reporter that i've been following for years uh, her name is maggie haberman uh, she got enlisted to follow she's basically the white house correspondent for the new york times and she follows donald trump and i'm not going to get political in this at all it's just more so i really admire her work because she makes beautiful art out of whatever the news is, meaning her syntax, her use of vocabulary, the way she structures her sentence. I'm just always paying attention, and I aspire to be a writer like her. And even though all of my friends tell me, like, you, you write just as good, if not better than her, which could be true, which could be true, uh, but I just think she makes such beautiful art out of, out of English words that we use every day. And sometimes she uses the vo- these vocabulary words. Now, if you were to ask me about vocabulary words, um, 
I think that there's there's one sense of like, okay, you know a, a couple of words. When you really get deep into the vocabulary words and you can use a specific word to explain the severity or the lack of severity of a certain situation, then I think you really got it. And on top of that, right. if you can use those vocabulary words in a in a story, it's even better. And trust me, I'm a fiend when it comes to New York Times. I probably read 30 articles a day on the New York Times for the past eight yeah. years. And ever since she got on staff, I mean, once I see her name, I just, I drop, every, I literally drop everything and read it. And I was doing that last night. I probably read three articles of hers deep into the night. And, you know, it sounds weird. And I think that everyone thinks that maybe I'm like taking a break from what I'm doing. But, you know, we talked about that before. I make connections from different things that I'm inspired by. And, you know, Maggie Haberman to me is an artist, even though she's just a writer. <laughs> she, just the way she just really composes her words arranges sentences, uses vocabulary words for dramatic effect. Um, and she tells the story of Donald Trump. And it's not coming from a place of like um, emotion or anything, but she right. invokes right. emotion of, you know, and I think out of anybody in the country. And that's what she, we do. Yep. That's exactly what we do. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's cool. She really understands the pulse of Donald Trump. So I think if anyone has a chance to read her and, you know, I'm talking very neutral. I'm not saying... She hates him yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or loves him or anything. She just says very matter of fact that this is what he. So, for instance, I think she said in one of her articles, she said um, Donald Trump tries to get through. And I don't know how she worded it, but he doesn't care about the future. He only cares about getting through the next 10 minutes. <laughs> That's it. And when you read that, you're like, oh, that makes so much more sense. You're the first person that makes me really understand Donald Trump, because I think everyone is trying to like, why is he doing that? because you're thinking about it in terms of how you would do it. But Maggie Haberman uses her words to try to convey, you know, the severity of how Donald Trump thinks. And I think that's beautiful art. What about yourself? Can you think of an artist? Uh, for sure. Ban uh, Banksy. Have you heard of him? No. So Banksy is a world famous artist. Nobody's ever seen him, but his art is remarkable. So he has a documentary on, uh, I think it's HBO and it's a uh, Banksy takes over New York. And uh, what he did is, uh, so all of his artwork has a political, social message in it. So when he took over New York, what year was this? This was right before or right when gentrification was really going on in New York. So he would go into areas, neighborhoods in New York that your average person would not go to. And he would paint a, a mural and then he would tell everybody where it was. And it was like a like an Easter egg hunt to find it. And it was just all these people coming to some of the craziest blocks and neighborhoods just to see this artwork on the side of a wall and just watching him one, get his message across to having people go into these neighborhoods. That they didn't care about just to see his art. He was just basically proving a point and his artwork is like worth millions. He's the type of guy like he more recently, he sold a piece of um, art and once in the uh, auction, it would sold. He had like a button on the um on the artwork and it shredded it, literally. Oh wow. Like he's one of those kind of he's one of those kind of artists. Um he's amazing. Check him out if you ever get a chance. Uh you, you have my number. You just text me the link if you're telling me it's on yeah. I'll I'll watch that. Nah, he's dope for sure. And just watching him, you know, he doesn't put his face in front of the product, so you, you don't like most artists, you, you fall in love with them and then their art. It's it's just pure art message. Like we don't know what he looks like. Um, he doesn't necessarily sell the art, 
people just like another episode in New York, he was just sitting on the side of the street selling street art and people were just walking by, walking by, walking by and randomly like a couple of random people bought a few pieces here and there. Those pieces are worth millions of dollars. He just does <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> just yeah. watching him. And then like uh certain rappers like uh like Nipsey, that was my guy. Was just, he? Just watching him. Nipsey was is a great for sure. He's he's high on my list. I'm not gonna tell you where on my list, but he knocked somebody that you love off of my list. I know you're not That's gonna That's how much I was Is it is it YG? YG was is nowhere near my, my Oh. List. I, I, <laughs> and everyone thinks I'm crazy. Um I love YG way better than Nipsey also, but that's just me though. That's yeah, me. you yeah. Nips is, is that guy, man. But he's always, always, all, well, he was always preaching that this message, the mentality, mm-hmm. right? He was always independent, you know, trying, aspiring for more, um, taking a middleman out. And also, I think that middleman con- uh, concept that he would speak on is why a lot of people struggle with choosing a successful mentality. Because they allow somebody else to tell them what they can and cannot be, mm. and they might not necessarily say, "Ralph, you can't, you can't referee Division One basketball." But what they could do is tell you why they can't do it. So now you're like, "Well, maybe I should feel the same way too," you know? And then we start for- forcing our own insecurities on the people. So Nipsey Hustle for sure, Banksy for sure. Um, those people, those two artists right there have inspired me definitely to, to take the uh successful route in life um dang i can't believe you're not you're not big on nip man no I'm, I'm i'm big on nip i'm just way bigger on yg always really why why yg why why all right i'll tell you you the like truth. the you like the white socks and hard bottoms <sighs> no he <laughs> he's he's like a uh a, a softer version of tupac and i don't mean like soft as in like mentality or hard or mentality more so i think he's like a pleasing version of tupac right so i think tupac has a lot of acerbic songs to me um also i didn't like yg in the beginning i saw him live i want to say four years ago and what's that song that he has with the with the remix with with jeezy i hated that song whatever that song was and the tooted and booted oh yeah i that song Hated both of those songs. There was this one summer, I want to say four years ago, when I listened to Rap Radar, the podcast. This was like when I really, 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 really started listening to a whole... Because before I would only listen to like two podcasts, but then that particular summer I listened to like 15 podcasts every day. I just stopped listening to music. And Rap Radar is with B-Dot and Elliot Wilson. And Mm -hmm. they kept asking, what's the... What's the album of the year? And they kept saying, YG. I'm like, what, what am I missing here? I just saw him live. He's terrible. He's awful. <laughs> and then I listened to his album and I went, oh, maybe I dropped the ball on this. So ever since then, I became like a, a real big fan. And I think that you could probably relate from, see, people in New York, we have such hubris that we think like if somebody has an accent, like, all right, they're done. I'm not listening to this. Um, <laughs> but then when you like kind of think of, you separate YG's California accent, and you hear what he's saying, you're like, oh, this guy's really good. And he has a lot of pain. I'm, I always gravitate towards people that have a lot of pain. So mm-hmm. I, I think that particular summer, he lost like two of his best friends to gunshots. He got shot in the studio, a whole bunch of craziness. And I just like the way, you know, we talk about success is, is a mentality and so is failure. I mean, that's, that's a lot of failure too. But each day he chooses to have a successful mindset and he still makes art. 
out of people getting shot. So I, I find yeah. that interesting. And uh, the last thing that I did want to mention was, you know, we do talk about movies here. Um, one movie that really resonates to me with this particular quote is another Quentin Tarantino movie that just came out recently, about a year ago, around this time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And I think if you follow the character Jake Cahill, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, he's basically like a washed up um, actor from the 50s. And now it's flipped over to the 60s and it's almost the dawn of the 70s. And he sees that he's struggling to find roles because he's gotten older, right? He's not the same actor. And I think he's just, he's really disappointed. He's like kind of down on his luck. And you could see that the mentality has shifted from all of the success that he had in the 50s and the early 60s. And then now a lot of his mentality is based on failure that he's getting because he's not getting the roles that he got. And people are getting younger than him and he's getting passed by. Um, But then eventually from his stuntman, Brad Pitt, he learns to have a successful mentality because, you know, Brad Pitt going through that whole movie, he's just happy to be around. He's just happy to be Mm -hmm. in the building. And he had such a different mindset and that really rubbed off towards the end. And I'm missing a lot of different elements of the movie, but you know, in a nutshell, you can see Leonardo DiCaprio really embracing a successful mentality at the end in comparison to a figure. Can you think of a movie um, that resonates from this particular quote? Yeah, you probably will think I'm weird when I say this, but this movie is one of my favorites and it's Forrest Gump. (laughs) Like that entire movie is just wild. He could have, and I I don't know if uh, Forrest Gump consciously took this the positive successful mentality approach or he just his disability didn't allow him to pity himself get down on himself because you know from a young age he had disabilities and his mom always instilled in him um strength and positivity so you watching that movie there are a lot of instances where most people would have given up or um just just gone negative kind of like the guy in the wheelchair it was um lieutenant dang oh man he could have easily been you know what i'm saying he could have easily been that but just watching that whole movie and all of the things that he helped accomplish not even knowing right like being on that boat because he's his his friend at the time but they said they're going to get the boat together going to shrimping together he spent all that time nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened and this goes back to episode two when we're talking about three feet from gold all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, <laughs> this man hits gold mine, shrimp everywhere, uh-huh. makes all this money, gives it to Bubba's family. But that mentality to stay on that boat, weather that storm, it was worth it. And then you, you can watch him throughout the entire movie. You look at somebody with all types of reasons to give up on himself or to stay down on himself. He has disabilities. He has, you know, the, the problems with walking. He wasn't smart enough in school. His IQ wasn't high, but yet he was probably the most successful person in that time period. Granted, it's a movie, but you know, I just love that movie from the positive perspective. Like, man, this somebody like that can can you know anything literally is possible if you believe it first. Yeah, I was talking about something itself. like that. Um, similar yesterday, uh, one of my grad school professors. Uh, shout out to April Coughlin. She is paralyzed from the waist down, but she has like the most vigor in life. Um, she mm. taught me to that if you're handicapped, it don't matter. That's all the mentality. I mean, she's mm-hmm. been paralyzed since she was six years old, but she doesn't want any favors. She goes to New York City. She goes sometimes 
sometimes these subway stops don't have any um, handicap access. So sometimes she has to go like two miles to get to one that does have handicap access, and she never complains. In fact, mm-hmm. she, she thinks it's a badge of honor, and she doesn't want her to be treated any differently. And, you know, to me, that was always the definition of success when you think about Lieutenant Dan. And, Absolutely. So that's all I got, though, dude. You have any final words you want to say before we part ways? we got another successful one. It's great. I want to first. I want to thank all the people who have uh, purchased so far. I really am appreciative of that, and those will be going out soon. The first batch of orders uh, will be going out soon. Also, uh, I just want to again tell everybody that win each day by choosing to compete with all hurdles in your path. Just compete. Stay positive. Right. Next play mentality. But this is a great one. Episode three for sure was great. And I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, I'm not excited editing this because this is all like completely different now. But uh, can you tell the difference in audio quality or no? No, not really. You sound the same. (laughs) That sounds good. Can you? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And you you will once it gets published. But we'll talk about that. All right, bet. For Ray Bullock Jr., this is Ralph the Ref. This is Elevated Mentor. Mental Mountains, Volume 1, Elevated Mind. This is Ralph the Ref, Ray Bullock Jr., Tales from the 13, we're out of here. Peace.